Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Verse 6 of chapter 10, it says, and now remember, this is after Abimelech, this is after Tola, and after Jair, these two men, 45 years have gone by, and now it says, then, verse 6, the children of Israel, again they did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served the Baals and the Ashtoreth. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob begins our study in chapter 11 and 12 in the book of Judges with using chapter 10 as an introduction. We start out by learning that Israel again forsook God, but perhaps Israel didn't consciously forsake him, yet adding the worship of pagan gods to the worship of the true God was forsaking the Lord. It seems that Israel was willing to worship just about anything except the true God. When a man stops believing in God, he begins believing in anything. Now let's open our Bibles to the Old Testament book of Judges, chapter 10, and follow along with Pastor Rob. Open our Bibles now to Judges. We're going to be looking at Judges chapter 10 through 12 tonight. And if you recall... The last time we were together, which was two Thursdays ago, we looked at Judges chapter 9 and we saw the, the ministry, really, of Abimelech. And remember, Abimelech was the, one of the sons of Gideon. Gideon had 70 sons. It's recorded for us in chapter 8, verse 30 and 31, that Gideon had 70 sons, and one of his sons was an illegitimate son from a concubine or for a female from a female servant uh, from Shechem, and his name, uh, this son who was born to her, was uh, Abimelech, and Abimelech was shunned by the other seventy sons because he wasn't seen as uh, part of the family. They kind of looked at him as an outcast, and ultimately it was uh, Abimelech trying to gain power. Uh, over his 70 brothers. And in fact, um, it says in chapter 9, as we looked at two weeks ago, that Abimelech hired uh, some uh, fellows, really mercenaries really, to help kill uh, his 70 brothers. And then the rest of the, of the chapter is really him se- trying to secure himself as a king or as a leader. And we saw his demise when One of the cities that he was going up against, uh, a lady who was in a tower, as he was approaching the tower and and attempting to burn it down with his followers, 
a woman dropped the upper part of a millstone, and a millstone, the upper part, is, is that cement piece that's about that big around, and um, that's the top piece. The bottom part is the really huge thing, uh, but this piece was the upper part, and she pushed that over the top of the tower, went down and, and crushed his skull, literally, and, and he died. And so uh, at the very end of chapter 9, that is what happened uh, to him. And the Bible says in, in chapter 10 here, uh, in a very quick fashion, because there's really not a lot known about these two other judges that succeeded uh, Gideon. The first one was Tola, and he judged Israel 23 years, and, and he died. And then Jair was another man who judged Israel for 22 years. And it says that he had 30 sons who rode on 30 donkeys. So this is a little fact that I think is really kind of interesting uh, because this this judge right prior to Jephthah had uh, sons who thirty sons who rode on thirty donkeys and and for some reason it seems kind of interesting that as as leaders began to come into power throughout Israel's history you see them doing some interesting things one of them is multiplying uh, sons. And, and daughters, and especially sons. And you see them multiplying horses even. We see that even in Solomon's case, where against the Lord's direction, Solomon had had a number of horses. He had a number of wives. And these were all things that God really uh, prohibited a king of Israel to do. And so even here in the book of Judges, we see this kind of building up of some kind of, you know, um, bravado, some kind of uh, presence as a king and some kind of you know status. And, and you do that by having 30 sons. And what better way to do that than to put those 30 sons on 30 donkeys? And so we're going to see this kind of thing as we get into Jephthah here uh, toward the end of our time together tonight in chapter 12. But let's go ahead and read. Actually, before we read this, this is the sixth period. If you recall, there are seven periods in the book of Judges, and tonight we're going to be looking at the sixth of the seven periods uh, in the time of the Judges, and it's going to be in the life of Jephthah. Jephthah. So let's actually read verses six, uh, chapter 10, verse 6, down through 18, and then we'll go back, and then we'll just continue to go through uh, chapters 11 and 12. But just to kind of get us a, a, a framework of where we're beginning from, let's read those uh, verses. So, verse 6 of chapter 10, it says, and now remember, this is after Abimelech, this is after Tola, and after Jair, these two men, 45 years have gone by, and now it says, then, verse 6, the children of Israel, again they did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served the Baals and the Ashtoreths, the gods of Syria, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the people of Ammon, and the gods of the Philistines, and they forsook the Lord and did not serve him. Verse 7, So the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hands of the Philistines and into the hands of the people of Ammon. And from that year they harassed and oppressed the children of Israel for eighteen years. All the children of Israel who were on the other side of the Jordan in the land of the Amorites in Gilead. Moreover, the people of the Ammon crossed or I'm sorry, moreover, the people of Ammon crossed over the Jordan to fight against Judah, 
also against Benjamin and against the house of Ephraim, so that Israel was severely distressed. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, saying, We have sinned against you, because we have both forsaken our God and served the Baals. And so the Lord said to the children of Israel, Did I not deliver you from the Egyptians and from the Amorites and from the people of Ammon and from the Philistines, also the Sidonians and the Amalekites and the Maonites uh, oppressed you? And you cried out to me, and I delivered you from their hand. Yet you have forsaken me and served other gods. Therefore, I will deliver you no more. Go and cry to your gods which you have chosen. Let them deliver you in your time of distress. And the children of Israel said to the Lord, We have sinned. Do to us whatever seems best to you. Only deliver us this day, we pray. So they put away the foreign gods from among them, and they served the Lord, and his soul could no longer endure the misery of Israel. And then the people of Ammon gathered together and encamped in Gilead, And the children of Israel assembled together and encamped in Mizpah. And the people, the leaders of Gilead, said to one another, Who is the man who will begin the fight against the people of Ammon? He shall be head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. Let's go back and look at verse 6 here, and we'll just go right along here. In verse 6 it says, Then the children of Israel, again, they did evil in the sight of the Lord. And one of the unfortunate things that Israel got caught up in is idolatry. And they never really uh, got beyond this. In fact, if you recall, as if, if we were to fast forward uh, several hundreds of years into the future from the time that we're in right now in the book of Judges, it was because of that, because of their unwillingness to really crucify this part of their life, it was what led them into captivity. It led the northern ten tribes into captivity. It also led the the southern two tribes into captivity uh, uh, to Babylon as well. And so this has been a failure on their part for for a long time, and they just keep seeming to perpetuating it. And before we get too hard on the Jews, we must remember that uh, the, the same is true for us. I know before I came to the Lord, and even now, there are times where you know something is not right, and then yet it's so easy to just go ahead and do it anyway. And see, we have to get beyond that. We have to no longer allow those kinds of things in our life. It doesn't mean that God's going to you know, forget about us or He doesn't care about us. No, but because He's done what He's done, and He's given us the Spirit of God in us, And for the first time in our lives, as a result of being born again, we have this wonderful grace to resist and to be victorious over sin in our life. And so be encouraged by that. You know, don't, don't allow, don't think to yourself that sin should have dominion any longer over you. It does not have to have dominion over you. You have, you are dead in Christ. That old man has been crucified in him. And just as Jesus rose from the grave on that third day, so we also have been risen by the Spirit of God in us. And as he rose from the grave, his Spirit is raising us and will raise us even yet into the future. And so going into verse six here, he says, the children of Israel, they, again, they did evil. In the sight of the Lord, and they serve the Baals and the Ashtoreths. Now, what's interesting I find is that this phrase "evil in the sight of the Lord" this actually is mentioned uh, eight times in the Book of Judges. Eight times 
within seven verses. Within seven verses. For those of you who like to take notes on these, you might want to just write the references down really quick. The first one is in Judges chapter 2, verse 11. The next one is in chapter 3, verse 7. The next one is chapter 3, verse 12. And it actually mentions it twice in that verse. And then chapter 4, verse 1. Chapter 6, verse 1. Chapter 10, verse 6, where we're at right now. And it will ultimately mention it one other time when we get into Samson. And that's in chapter 13, verse 1. And so, again, they're just they're continually floundering and they, 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 in, in their hearts, desire that they, they will say that, Lord, forgive me. And, and God, you know, is so wonderful. And, and we're going to get into that because uh, God is so patient. He's so gracious with them. And, and He's the same with us. The Bible says that He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He cannot change. To me, that's wonderful news for us. Because if He cannot change, then the way we see Him dealing with people and certainly with nations in the Bible, really encourages my faith and should encourage yours as well because he's not the same. He's not partial either. He's not just going to treat the Israelites one way and the Jews, or, or I'm sorry, the Gentiles or even the church differently. No, he treats everybody. The Bible says that he, he causes his, his sun and, and the rain to shine on the just and the unjust. He, and, and that's what, that's what uh, uh, frustrates people as they see evil people prospering and everything going well but yet they don't understand their end if they don't turn and repent. And, and so we often get frustrated because of that. But remember, God is, it's His goodness, right, that leads men to repentance. It's His goodness that led me to repentance. And it's His goodness that continues to lead me into repentance. I, I love that. Even now, it's like, the, have you ever felt that way when you've known you've blown it? You've done something, you've said something, you've thought something. Whatever it is, you really blew it, and you know you did. And sometimes, especially if it's you know something everyone saw, or even if it's just something privately, you knew you blew it. And yet God, He loves you. And the Bible says that if we just confess it and turn away from it, you know, confess it, and, and, and He will be faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us. So be, be encouraged in that. You know, some of you that are on tonight, you know, there's something that happened today, something that happened yesterday, something that happened this last week you're really ashamed of. Maybe it was a thought. Maybe it was a word that came out of your mouth. Maybe it was an action. It doesn't really matter. The thing is, is to take it to the cross, take it to Jesus, and leave it there. Leave it there. Don't go sifting through it again because he doesn't, he's already put it behind him if you confess it. So there's no need for you to be reveling in it or rolling around in the grave clothes of that sin. It's gone. He sees it as gone, but yet we still see it. And so set yourself free and believe the Bible and believe less of your emotions about how you feel about your sin. Believe what the Bible says and let it set you free. And may it actually encourage you in your worship of Him. Because if you really believe that, and I, I believe that it honors the Lord when we do that, what does that do? That causes our hearts to be lifted, doesn't it? It, it really is. I've actually done that myself. When I've done something and I'm just like, oh Lord, I'm such a bonehead. <laughs> and then I confess it. And by faith, I believe that He has forgiven me. It's as if it never happened. And if I can go forward in my day knowing that He sees it no more, it honors Him. Do you understand? Because that, may, that means that what He did on the cross was so effectual that 
It took away that sin. It took away even the guilt if we're willing to let it go. And I tell you, that is a wonderful thing. So let's get back into it. And in verse 6, it says that not only did they do evil in the sight of the Lord, but they served the Baals and the Ashtoreths. These are the male and female uh, deities that, that, that were worshipped in Canaan at this time. And again, notice that there are seven different gods mentioned here in verse 6. The Baals, the Ashtoreths, the gods of Syria, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the people of Ammon, the gods of the Philistines. You know, throughout the Bible, we know that the number seven is significant because it speaks of completeness. It speaks of perfection. Uh, and certainly, this is not perfection, but we see uh, God in, even in these, the numbers of these things and, and, and how good He is. But notice, it says that at the end of verse 6, that they forsook the Lord and they did not serve Him. The word forsook there is means exactly what it says. They left him. They departed from him. They neglected him. They uh, uh, um, they uh, apostized uh, away from him. And notice that it doesn't say that they, they could not, but they did not serve him. They did not. See, it's a, it's a deliberate choice. The thing we have to remember is it's always a matter of the will. Our will has to be engaged in everything moral and every decision that we make on this earth. We have to be involved in it, and it's a matter of the will. I will to love my wife, and I will to do things. And the, the, the challenge for all of us is to will to do something when our emotions aren't engaged in it. Have you ever, uh, no, did you ever encounter a situation where you knew it was the right thing to do something to, for someone, maybe a spouse, maybe a friend, maybe whoever, and yet in your, in your heart that day, that moment, you just weren't really feeling like it. <laughs> you weren't really feeling up to it. And yet the wonderful thing is, is that when we are obedient to do the right thing, when we are not feeling it, that is worship. And the devil will come along and say, you are a hypocrite because you, you, you really didn't mean it. You were just doing it, going through the motions. Well, isn't that what sin is? Isn't sin going through the motions? In fact, sin is the absence of even thinking sometimes. It's very easy to sin, but boy, is it hard to do the right thing. And when you purpose to do the right thing, the devil is certainly there saying, you are just the biggest hypocrite because in your heart, you don't want to do it. In your heart, you don't really feel that way. But guess what happens when you do that? You do that sacrificial thing and you see the light on somebody's face that you just blessed. And what does that do to you? It encourages you, doesn't it? That's what love is so wonderful like that. When sacrificial, when love is done in such a way, in any way, when it's sacrificial, there is a reciprocity about that. You, you, you get a reciprocal effect by it when you do it because you see how the other person responds. Sometimes you might be surprised. You know, sometimes they may be totally blown away. It didn't seem like a big deal to you because in your heart you're thinking, I've had a bad day. I don't even want to do this, but I brought home flowers to my wife even though my heart wasn't completely engaged in it. And then you come home and you walk through the door and she's been having maybe a tough day and she sees you bringing those flowers even with your... She doesn't see the half-hearted attempt in your heart, but you do it and she just breaks down and just and, and weeps for joy or you know whatever it is you know wraps her arms around you and gives you a big kiss or or whatever you know those are the kind of things that 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 change people's lives but notice that they forsook the lord and they did not serve him it's not that they could not cuz they could but they chose 
not to. It is always a matter of the will. And why would anyone want to leave the Lord anyway? You know, the Lord has been, He's slow to anger. He's so patient with us. You know, man is impatient and we're easy to get angry and, and therefore people get frustrated. They get frustrated because they don't understand the nature of God. You know, people mistake his patience and his forbearance as license to continue in sin and that somehow he is, he's condoning it because he, you haven't gotten caught or the person hasn't gotten caught. And on the other side of the fence, when he, when he doesn't judge quickly something that we think should be judged we get impatient and vengeful, and we want to take matters into our own hands. And again, it's the goodness of God, we have to remember, that leads us to repentance. Notice in verse 7 what it says. It says, So the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. Now, one of the things, this word hot literally means to burn. It's, it's a furious type of glowing anger. <laughs> and, and that's really what it means. And in the book of he, uh, Judges, I almost said Hebrews for some reason, but in the book of Judges, the Lord uses this same phrase four different times. Uh, the first time we heard it, if you're a note taker, write these down because this will encourage you. Um, the first time was in Judges 2 verse 14. The next time was in Judges 2 verse 20. The next time is in 3 verse 8. And then right here in chapter 10 verse 7. But God's his anger against was against Israel. It was hot. And notice, and he sold them into the hands of the Philistines and into the hands of the people of Ammon. The idea of sold there is literally to sell them like merchandise. You know, I never want to get to the point, and I've given the Lord plenty of opportunity to be angry with me, but I, I, I never, you know, the more you know him, isn't it true that you, that you don't really want to anger him? I don't want to anger him. I don't want to put him... I don't want to do something and put myself in a position where I'm making him angry. I want to be that person that puts a smile on his face. You know, I'm going to make my mistakes. I'm going to sin occasionally. I'm going to do these things in my heart. But the, the, the overall tenure of my life, and hopefully yours too, is to please the Lord, to please Him because of what He's done. And, you know, I don't want to be sold into the hand of anything. But notice, He was so angry with them because of their idolatry that He sold them into the hands of the Philistines and into the people of Ammon. Now remember, we, we have talked about the Philistines in the past, but just as a way of review quickly here, uh, the Philistines, remember, were a non-Semitic people. When I say non-Semitic, what that means is a, 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 a Semite or someone who is Shem, uh, Semitic is somebody who comes from the line of Shem. Okay, somebody who is non-Semitic or, or uh, is somebody who did not come from the line of Shem. In fact, these people, the Philistines, they were actually, they came from Crete, the island of Crete. And there was a time when they came down from Crete across the Mediterranean into the very uh, shores of Africa and Pharaoh drove them out and the Philistines, as a seafaring people, they just went right up the coast and settled in modern-day Israel. And But they are from the line of Ham. In fact, in Genesis chapter 10, you can go there yourself, but go there and look at Genesis chapter 10, uh, specifically verse 6, and then verses 13 and 14, because it tells us that they were from the sons of Ham, and one of uh, Ham's sons was named Mizraim, and Mizraim begat Ludim, Anamim, Lahabim, Neftuhim, Pathrusim, uh, and Kasluhim, from whom came the Philistines and Kaphtorim. And so 
uh, you can see that the Philistines came from the line of Hem. So they were a non-Semitic people. <laughs> they were a non-Semitic people. And then the other group here that the Lord was going to sell Israel into the hands of was the people of Ammon. Remember, I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Judges. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.